Seven, please. Okay. Uh, so now uh, we are going to start with the first panel of the day. The agenda for the panel, uh, the agenda for the panel will be investment in research and development. And I would like to introduce first the moderators of this panel, Ms. Asha Sampath and Ms. Mr. Eswaran R. will be moderating today's discussion uh, on uh, investment in R&D. May I request Ms. Asha and Mr. Eswaran to take their seats? Uh, Asha, ma'am, Eswaran, sir, kindly take your seats. Can we have a round of applause? Asha and Eswaran are from the Bespoke Show, founded by Sid Baliga and Asha Sampath. And uh, the Bespoke so, uh, Show is is a uh, is a platform for candid discussions on all tops, uh, all kinds of topics of interest, including conventional and non-conventional sectors, media, art, entertainment, and even international affairs. Now, I would like to introduce our panelists. The first panelist of the day is Dr. Ajit Rangnekar. Uh, can we have a round of applause? Uh, he's the Director General for Research and Innovation Circle in IIT uh, of Research and Innovation Circle of Hyderabad. He is also the former Dean of Indian School of Business, and he's been a member of many global uh, committees and advises boards of foundations and social ventures. Our second panelist. Uh, Mr. Devanan Kolothodi. Can we have a round of applause? He's the CEO of Astra Prime Hospital. Astra Prime Hospital at Amir Pet is a subsidiary of Astra DM Health Group. Headquartered in Dubai, the Astra DM Healthcare Network is currently one of the largest and fastest growing conglomerates in the Middle East and North Africa region. Our third panelist is Dr. Srinivasa Rao, CEO Apollo MedSkills. He's a physician providing clinical thought, leadership, and multiple uh, and multi-expertise for making optimum use of information and communication technology in medicine and healthcare. He has over a decade of experience in medical education and healthcare scaling, and he's leading one of the largest healthcare scaling and e-learning companies in Asia. Our fourth and final panelist of uh, the panel is Dr. Venkat Raman Gedra. Please have a round of applause. He's the CEO and principal scientist and co-founder at Nanospan Incorporation. Uh, he's an experienced principal scientist with a demonstrated history of working in nanotechnology-based industry. He's skilled in nanotechnology, carbon nanotubes, graphene, polymer nanocomposites, thin films, material science, and energy storage devices. Uh, I welcome all the panelists and the moderators. And I will now hand over the stage to Asha and Eshwaran to lead the panel discussion. Thank you very much. In today's panel discussion, we have a diverse uh, team of experts who are going to throw light on various aspects of research and development uh, about what kind of budget allocations are available for R&D in India, to what extent the R&D work is actually getting monetized, and what trends can we see uh, going forward given the rapid technology advancements that's happening. So if I may start with uh, Ajit. Uh, when we talk of R&D, we actually have two segments. One is the private segment and the private spend segment, and the other is the public spend segment. As per statistics released by DST, I think India is amongst the top 
countries where uh, a big percentage of almost 62% of R&D spend comes from the public sector. So when we say public sector, I think mainly we are talking of spaces like energy and uh, defense, uh, where either the investments are uh, too huge for private sectors to participate, or the gestation periods are very long, or three, they could be areas of national security, and so uh, more a prerogative of the public uh, sector. Do you see a shift happening uh, in the coming years uh, in terms of more and more private participation or uh, in terms of a public-private partnership uh, that's going to take, uh, uh, take shape? So <clears throat> I, I think it's different in each sector to some extent, right? So if I take uh, the four, and you practically mentioned most of them as national priority sector, food and agriculture, health, defense and aerospace, and education, if I can take those four. So in each one of them, the picture is very, very different. So if we start with uh, food and agriculture, almost all the research happens in the public space. There is very, very little happening. However, what's happening is a lot of people are coming. In, by the way, that's true of all these four, is it? That people are coming from the, what used to be old days called IT, as digital technology sector. And they are, for the most part, these are people with a solution looking for a problem to solve. So I know AIML, what can I do in health or what can I do in... So the research is not really happening in the industry in food and agriculture. And God knows we need. Part of the reason, of course, is that the government's reluctance to do anything on GM, which is where a lot of the whole. So that's in, in health. Um, there is a lot of really high quality work happening in institutions. Most of them are government research institutions. There is an enormous amount of research support that is given by DST and DBT. And I, you know, we often criticize and complain about governments, but the work that is being done in sciences by the government is truly phenomenal. The problem is taking a product, once there is a proof of concept, taking it from proof of concept to commercialization is a long and arduous problem. And for the most part, the Indian health industry, and by that I mean more the pharma, rather than the hospitals, and I'll come to the hospital. For the most part, the Indian health industry has shown no interest. They're only interested in the good old, this thing of looking for uh, products going out of patent, and now increasingly for biosimilars. So the research that is happening in pharma sector is predominantly biosimilar based. There is very, very little, practically no new uh, thing. There is practically nothing in genetics. So that is a worrying sign where R&D is concerned. And part of that problem is that the time required to take it, you know, take it up the technology transfer scale is very long and very expensive. Then if it comes to defense and aerospace, again, the governments and DRDO is doing it. 
but there are a number of national research institutions and you come from ARCI and you know the, and we increasingly are beginning to see some young people doing really good work in material material sciences etc problem is nobody talks about it also tata's mahindra's reliance and big companies are getting into this space and these are people who by nature are somewhat more willing to try new things so surprisingly aerospace and defense is one area where we see a lot of interest in this thing education i actually think that none of the children of this group of people will ever come to an institution like this i think education is going to be completely disrupted completely and totally and what you saw a short while ago was i think just the first bit but with 5g coming and ar vr education as we know it is going to be completely destroyed actually going to be democratized so you know education institutions have students they have faculty and they have infrastructure all of that is going to go away and anyone sitting anywhere will get the best education in the world and there is no research happening in any of our education institutions on any of those so we have this funny mixed bag across um i have a lot of hope from many startups but funding is a big problem and uh, you know the kind of capabilities that are required so there are biochemists but they don't understand manufacturing they don't understand distribution they don't understand regulatory they don't understand uh, you know how to deal with clinicians so i think many of those things have to be created which is what we are some of us are trying to do is to create those ecosystems in each space i stop here nigga hi all Uh, like uh, this point i understand like a lot of research is happening at the same time it is not only happening in uh, uh, the public sector like rightly you said in other areas happening in the private sector also like you said about drugs and even uh, in like the education system also some changes are coming now um, the same take is on dr rao uh, uh, because you are from pharma so uh, yeah yeah sorry healthcare uh, healthcare so uh, Uh, like when we uh, talk about the research done by uh, in the year 1996 uh, mm-hmm. with respect to gdp share of uh, the entire india on the research and development mm-hmm. now and then it is same absolutely we are only saying that is increasing is increasing gdp percentage as per the data is 0.63% in the year 1996 and recently 3 years before they taken again it is 0.63 uh, surprisingly there is no change so that is one area right second is how far we feel that the kind of research we are doing is it actually a research or on an existing product we are just doing certain changes okay. any any like disruption is happening i don't think so it's a discovery like somebody discovered a bulb it is existing product is there some small changes we are doing so uh, what is your take on that absolutely i think uh the stagnation of the research uh, funding is definitely an alarming thing but i think a lot of good uh, innovations happened in silos in healthcare particularly where are the innovations happening i think innovations are happening basically in three areas one is uh, in easing the consumer service for example uh, there's no new product development 
as uh, Professor Rangnaker has also just mentioned, I think there's very little focus on new product development because of the lack of uh, support systems. But in terms of consumeries, few uh, healthcare innovations, I would say. Uh, one of them is actually in terms of consumer ease. The average length of stay of a patient in a hospital has significantly reduced after advent of these home healthcare companies in India, now Portia's, Nightingale's, Apollo Home Care. So the ALOS, uh, the average length of stay, which is uh, the number of days the patient stays, has significantly reduced. For example, a knee replacement patient who had stayed in the hospital for seven days earlier now gets discharged in 72 hours, three days because of the support systems. Uh, this is an innovation, but has there been any research study surrounding this? How much is the reduction in the uh, kind of the average waiting times in a hospital because of innovations of Practo, booking an online appointment? There is no, there, there have been innovations, but the research studies surrounding those innovations are almost nil. I must say, neither the industry is doing that, nor the government intends to do that, possibly at, at least at this moment there are no, uh, no researches happening around these innovations. The second area is I think in the business process automation, in technology, as I mentioned, Practo, there are innovations happening, but there are no new drug research developments happening except I think Lupin which uh, allocates about 10% of its budget on new product development. Most of the pharma companies originating from India have very uh, less R&D budgets. Then uh, in terms of new device development, lot of new innovations are happening uh, in new device development also, but because of lack of support systems. Uh, just before this, uh, we, uh, Professor Rangnaker was mentioning about few devices, how hospitals ecosystem should support. Because these innovations are happening in say an eng engineer is uh, uh, building a low cost ventilator. Where does he test? He has to test in a government hospital. Do we have regulations which are governing these research innovations? No. Today, these are some of the challenges. So, uh, I think there is a need of increasing that budgets around uh, doing research around the existing innovations that have happened and also patenting those innovations in the right way. I think the support systems have to improve and the budgets have to improve for that. So, if I can just add, yes. I think there is a lot of stuff happening in taking uh, at least diagnostics to the poorest of poor. So in terms of outreach and predominantly using digital technology and a variant on telemedicine, there is a lot happening. And, and I would argue that maybe as a society for us, being able to reach the poorest of poor in the farthest district faster is more important than developing a new molecule. So there is a completely separate philosophical argument still awaiting. I'll stop. Yeah, that sounds like an interesting point, but are there any uh, legal um, uh, restrictions on telemedicines? Yes, so right now there is. And I think, but even if the, you know, the person who is, see if, uh, the um, district level or sub-district level health centers, even if they can be equipped and if, even if they can give things like stuff for you know a cold or a cough or a viral that itself is going to be a first step and at some stage the government will have to face up to this that at least in the rural sector where there is no doctor available within 50 kilometers or something you will have to or they will have to qualify a certain number of people 
with the help of telemedicine as being good enough to be doctors for some of that is still yeah, not another done topic and, probably yeah can i just add please, uh, one point do. here like uh, two uh, things i want to say here one is as a country india what india actually requires is more of ease accessibility economy so that is why i think most of the pharmaceutical companies are reinventing their own product to you know raise the mass and you know probably add into that and to uh, make it more popular that is one second thing about the telemedicine it's not about the uh, restrictive part of it it is about the psychological part of it you know we've been trying most of i think apollo has been trying astra as a group we have been trying telemedicine but the problem is that uh, many times patients unless until they see a doctor in person you know uh, th that causes even prosava saying the same thing uh, even though the technological advancement has come in uh, patients are still not happy you know unless until they see a doctor touching them you know there's a, there's a thing called personal touch yeah, yeah. so that's yeah that that's that's still there you know we have to go a long way to they call know, it the placebo the effect the mental blockage yes the placebo effect on patients just to add on the legalities actually november 2019 the ministry of health and family welfare has released the national digital health blueprint okay so this is already there in the ministry of health and family welfare website for review final review i think um, there is something happening in that area uh, not just telehealth but mobile health lot of mobile applications that are coming up um, now i think this regulatory will boost the number of innovations in this particular area the reason i asked about the legality was from a personal experience actually i was i was trying to get a, a recommendation on a bp medicine for a close relative and the home care association that normally treats uh, my relatives said uh, there's a recent supreme court ruling that we are not allowed to uh, give any prescriptions on the phone so that's that's how the uh, concerns uh, arose we do manage to create our own right uh, we were talking about the patents. Uh, uh, we were mentioning about the process, IP filing process. So one of the key indicators, I would like to take this question to uh, Dr. Venkat. Um, one of the key indicators of R&D is the number of patents filed, right? I'm sorry, can you switch off? I think Dr. Satish. I'm sorry, so the other panelists for the yeah. next session. So one of the key parameters for R&D progress is the number of patents filed. And uh, looking at the statistics, I think the number of patents filed between 2007 and 2018 has actually doubled in India. Uh, but if you look at it as a percentage of the number of patents that are live uh, in case of USA, China and other countries, I think ours is a very minuscule percentage. So how do you decode that? Is that a indicator of lack of progress or is that proportionate to the uh, demographic situations in the two countries and the level of uh, economic development that's happening that was my first question and the second question related to the same point is uh, a lot of those patents relating more to computer technology and electronics and less to uh, more uh, practical areas such as bioenergy or wastewater wastewater management uh, do you see um, uh, a shortfall in the kind of research that's happening from both the uh, parameters? Yeah. Well, let me take the two questions are interconnected, yeah, right? Right. So patent generation, if you generate a patent, you need to have a more research. Uh, research. It involves two things, the quality and the 
uh, international standards. You maintain that. If you are into public sector, the funding again, the hanging knife always for uh, entrepreneur like Eng and these startups. These are very, it is like every day in our head. So every day we need to accountable in that. So I, have, I was into public sector in, as my research career started that one. And almost 10 years I was there. And now I'm starting my, this game with private sector uh, money related R&D, funding related R&D, okay? So for this question, private sector and the company, if you want to make a build R&D based companies and that too in advanced areas, okay? So the patent is the parameter, parameter first one. Again, the second interrelated thing is your values in our company is related to your patent. How many patents? The second question, US and this one. Again, the valuation is depend, US is good. So geometrical also, the quality relates, the based on geometry. If it is US patent, it's more valid. And also you are more safe. For example, recently, last two weeks back, couple of weeks back, we got a US patent. We applied US as parallelly India also, okay? So we are more concentrated on US, though I am in India, okay? <laughs> okay? So it's related to funding again. Funding driven and the revenue generation generate your company. These things are always evolving along with your technology. So funding is one of the important stumbling blocks. In right. So I think the research quality from national institutes like AIRS, IITs, you named it. We are very good in that one, but the driven force, when you are into PhD and your coursework, it is publication driven. If you are a professor and you in this side, right. so how many numbers is related to your promotions? Right. Um, let me understand that. Right, right. Okay. If you are into scientific like AIRS and any kind of another side, national institutes, their driven forces to make a projects like DST, the firm, how many projects they want and which area they want. The, these things only the force to uh, promote your thing. But it's really like sectors like us. Right. But if it's app development, it's OK. The overheads are good. If you have small room, if you have 4G, 5G, this is a different ball game. But if you're coming towards aerospace, defense, material science, what? Because I'm live example of that. So it, it's required more joining hands. That's right. why Sar mentioned right. the ecosystem. Not only simple incubation set, uh, center with all facility. All facility incubation centers I have seen. T-Hub, T-Buxan named it. Very good in that uh, communicating people and arranging meetings up to that, it is good. On paper, it is good also. But things for us, for me, for me let me take my example. If I am working in nano material se segment, I know this material nano, but how can I prove that? If it is a IIT, they have next year, room, they have a scanning electron microscopy, they can do it and they prove that one. As a private entity, the small company like startup, and if you want to prove that one, ultimately our target is market. Market requires only product, quality product, right? So for me, take this example. So the getting that scanning electron microscopy testing, that's a service. So on paper, it is available all IITs, all uh, national laboratories, and India has plenty of, but a company wants to do, utilize that one, there are number of hierarchies. So again, the mentioned, as I mentioned, the knife is uh, money and funding, but it is related to your timelines. If I promise next week is my 
product delivery that means next week for me the same thing if i give that uh, sample to test whether it is nano or not for simple example for that guy says that maybe it takes one week so based on then that one week i made all the thing but simply because of some technical issue if they skip that one because since we can't afford that much of equipments so we need to depend outside so that's the way the ecosystem for us for companies like us is more essential so if that guy skips everything collapsed yeah here uh, uh, like dr mcda i'll uh, really agree with you because in uh, academia especially uh, there is either you publish or perish because your entire uh, lifespan or your entire like the career in academic is based upon how many i think kids are understanding yeah you have to publish the papers there is no no other go right but uh, here i'll uh, have one more because it's really getting interesting i have some data i'll just read to you uh, if you talk about uh, our uh, so called very big institutes like you said iit sitting inside you have isc you have uh, tifr you have isers you have nisers many research you name one we have research institute some data that is showing when we talk about our uh, uh, highly cited research we call it hcr right uh, only 10 indians are figured all over the world you are saying that in iit you want to prove that it is nano you have a lab you go there prove it come back i am talking data out of total uh, there are uh, one second 6217 hcrs have been filed kids you can listen 6217 hcrs have been filed all over the world and out of that only uh, 10 are indians and there were total 60 different subjects two are indians only two are indians so where where are we heading where are we heading and uh, you can really take part and definitely i want ajit sir to uh, tell his views also in this that where are, where are we heading to be honest i don't know this data so it's um, i'm just you know hypothesizing based on i think the level of work being done in most indian research institutions by and large tends to be india focused and not world standard focus because from 50s you know this swavalamban and the whole this it's india on its own has had a mindset i'm not saying it's wrong but i'm saying therefore a lot of it will is unlikely to fit into these kind of categories because most of these standards are set by the west so if you had a different one which has an impact metric for example which is how many lives did it touch maybe that this thing could be different because some research being done on a rice grain which is uh, which has a low glycemic index could impact the health of maybe 500 million indians who are now suffering from so i think we have to be a little careful about what is i think only in the last 4 or 5 years has the government research machinery been shaken up and uh, apparently i'm i was told this that the prime minister asked them 
either tell me the lives you have impacted or tell me how many global patents you have filed. You know, I don't want to know anything else. Now, you know, you cannot, research institutions are like vast big ships. You cannot just change them because the prime minister wants to change them. Right? So we are seeing some change. We are beginning to see, and the uh, CSIR has actually done, again, you know, we underestimate the good stuff being done in the government. CSIR has now decreed that 40% of your cost has to be made from your own revenue. So you better start selling your know-how. That's number one. Number two, 15% of that goes to the principal scientist. And another 10% goes to her team. So now there is a personal incentive, which by the way is part of the reason why you're suddenly seeing that increase in the number of patents, etc. Because all of a sudden, if I have that PM calls me again, I better have something to show. The second thing is many more Indian education institutions and private education institutions have got into this global ranking game. And one of the criteria in global ranking game is patents. And therefore, you see a whole lot of Indian education institutions filing patents left, right and center. I would love to see what is the value of those patents. You know, we are great in gaming a system. The moment we create any performance criteria, and I'm sure all of us are equally good at it, right? You create that attendance has a certain percentage, we'll make sure we attend. If you want sports has a certain percentage, we'll all do it, right? So we are very good at it. So I would be a little skeptical about all these numbers. I think it is true that we are really not doing the kind of world class. Sir, here one more is there. Uh, you rightly touched that point. Uh, uh, if you see in the world citation uh, for uh, like the filing of the new patents from Indian side, it is huge. It is 5% of the total world. But the actual, it is 5% of total world paper. Actual registered citations are only 3%. That means there's a 40% drop. So you are rightly said that you want to see the quality, this is the quality where like out of the every 100 papers we are filing, 40 are being getting rejected and only remaining 60 are being taken in. Really, really, really. Applaud kids. This is what the interior, applaud kids. This is what the interior we talk, talk, talk about because he was doubtful and the data says that. I just want to add a point Please. here, so just to expand the statistics. So there are 51,000 uh, universities and institutions in India now registered, right? So, the, but the patents are low. I think on the ground level, at even at a graduate professional education, I did my medicine from here, Usmania Medical College. So the challenge is the research is not taught in medicine. Research is not taught in engineering. Research, they're not many teachers, I don't know, not many teachers who can teach statistics authoritatively, which forms a basis for research. So I think how to do research, I think that whole basics have to be um, established now across the university systems in order to publish high quality or uh, highly cited research papers. I think uh, at a grassroots level, I think there's a lot of work to be done. So do you think more uh, international exchange programs uh, by the Indian universities could help get us there? Yes, I mean, the reason I'm laughing is that uh, five years ago when the two states were split and Chandrababu 
I went to just congratulate him and he says, you helped me create another ISP. And I told him, ISP is a 20-year-old story. Don't we, we shouldn't be doing it. We should be creating joint research institution in five areas which will do high-quality qual- high collaborative research, which will, you know, help us. Unfortunately, nothing happened about it. But I'll also give you a counter view. Look at this. When I joined IIT, there were five, four or five IITs, right? Now there are, I don't know how many IITs. But a new IIT is today doing extremely well. So the democratization of education, that so our focus has been on teaching. For donkey's years, IITs and even IIMs, IITs used to have 300 to 400 intake, IIMs used to have between 120 and 180. And for donkey's years, we continued like that. Then we put in the OBC category, we increased the numbers and so on. There has not been any reduction in quality. But the emphasis has emphatically moved to teaching. And if you if you want to do research, in ISB, our top faculty used to do teach between 80 and 100 hours a year. That's it. And ideally, all in one semester of five weeks or six weeks. And then for the remaining 40-odd weeks, they are free to do research. That requires a lot of time, money, and move away from teaching. As a nation, what should our priority be? Maybe our priority, which is why I was saying that maybe create, and this is where our whole you know socialistic mindset goes against it. I think a few IITs, I think a few research institutions should be kept exclusive and only doctoral and postdoctoral research institutions to do the best of collaborative research with the best of institutions and produce only a handful of really quality is what matters in high quality research, not thousands of PhDs. Today we are producing thousands of PhDs and I think that model is wrong. Uh, just to add uh, what uh, Professor has just said, uh, two statistics. One, uh, when uh, this topic was given to, uh, you know, as personally I did some research, the point probably, this particular point was supposed to uh, raise. So, uh, two statistics. One is that, you know, uh, the number of PhDs are what you just mentioned. Uh, the new initiative of the government which uh, to launch the IISCR, Indian uh, Institute of Science Education Research, has produced about 600 graduates now. Out of that, 60% of them have got into international universities to do their PhD. So, uh, country, I think, has taken this step to, you know, like uh, what Professor has said. So, that is one uh, thing. Second thing is that out of the 10 Indians that you have mentioned, uh, internationally, IITs can be proud of because, you know, uh, two, four are actually from IITs. So, you know, uh, out of the 10 uh, in world, uh, you know, cited researchers, uh, the top profile researchers, four are from IITs. Two are actually faculties in IITs now, IIT Chennai and uh, IIT, I think, Kanpur. Two are from alumni of IIT Roorkee. So, you know, there are people who are really focused on research even after their academics, along with their academics. But that orientation of research along with the UG or PG studies is still not there. So probably that is something which as a country we have to really focus. Maybe we'll come back to that point. But while you're on the mic, I would like to ask you the next question. Uh, 
lot of investments in R&D is happening in computer technology, like cloud computing, data science, and artificial intelligence. To what extent is it actually impacting research in healthcare? Is it helping to uh, improve early diagnosis and uh, uh, improve patient outcomes, or is it is it helping reduce mortality rates, or is it helping to provide more effective and affordable drugs? Is it any way impacting at all, or uh, what, what's your take? Uh, there are basically two versions. One you asked about, uh, you know, uh, production of drugs or the development of new drugs, which is a totally different thing. Uh, basically, uh, uh, when you look at the pharma, the investment when you see the pharma industry, the investment of R&D has been low, even though the Indian pharma is investing more. Uh, because of the fact that the time period to develop a new drug is huge, and the patent period, as I understand, is probably about 20 years after they generate the patent. So, uh, and basically the problem that Professor also mentioned in one of the point were, in India, if you generate a drug, will that be accepted internationally? You know, many people may not accept it unless until it's a US FDA approved drug. So many Indian companies also have a tendency to develop the drug, even the drug will be developed in the US, that is one. Second thing on the first question that you asked on the, in, you know, involvement of technology into improvement of healthcare, yes. Definitely, there have been a lot of, uh, you know, such initiatives has been coming. Uh, as, you know, uh, 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 you know, as a, uh, a proponent of technology in uh, uh, the uh, healthcare space, we look out for a lot of such initiatives every time. So I was just sharing something when we were sitting there. Uh, uh, about uh, two weeks back, a uh, team came to uh, my hospital. There is one challenge that we usually face were the doctors. When they see the patient, they want to spend more time with the patient rather than, you know, typing on a computer because the electronic medical record is something which everybody specifies now because data is going to be a major game changer. But then many times doctors complain that, you know, I am spending more time on my computer. Even patients think that doctor is doing some email, personal business, and they are not giving that much time to me. So they always say that always writing prescription, I can at least have that eye contact, I can speak to him, right? But then in front of the computer, I am fully into that. So a guy is... Uh, uh, company had actually come to us with a device where the doctor could actually write it automatically captures his uh, you know the uh, the movements finger movements it captured automatically convert as an electronic record integrated with the HIS but the the conclusion there was what again the doctor has to write in a paper the I would have been very happy if that paper also would have been removed you know everybody is going towards that paperless initiative now so if they would have come out with a device where they could write in a device, device captures directly. But every time the doctor writes, he has to, again, write in a paper. So technology, lot of things, such things are coming up. But somehow, uh, out of that, if you ask me, say, 50% of them are directly impacting life of patients, especially remote monitoring of critical care results, uh, when you look at it, or you know, reduction in hospitalization, as doctor uh, just mentioned before, and also, on the you also asked about oral, uh, you know, prescriptions over phone. Why it is not allowed is that there are a lot of medication errors uh, that's happening. You know, there there is an administration error. While the doctor says spelling errors, there may be you know a lot of perception errors also, which can harm the patient. So that's why it has been specifically blocked by the regulatory authorities not to have. So, but then always the doctor can send you a WhatsApp. You know, now there are a lot of other things which has come in. Uh, you know, you can you could have asked for that or an email would have would have done. 
so when you look at it there are uh, you know portable uh, uh, ventilators now which you can use at home now there are portable dialysis uh, units which you can use at home so a lot of things have been developed i before coming to hyderabad i was in a place called wayanad we have a medical college there i was heading the uh, project there uh, wayanad is a place which is a rural area and uh, uh, you won't believe that there is a, not a single super specialist in the entire district so uh, and and most of 18% of the population is tribals so uh, accessibility was an issue affordability is an issue reach of the healthcare is an issue lot of issues were there we, we have tried everything there like you know the uh, telemedicine we have tried we have tried all these things so this technology has in uh, in a way has helped a lot you know in reaching the places where it was not at all accessible otherwise so there is definitely yes it has helped the only reason i mentioned about the uh, affordable and effective drugs uh, owing from the technology is because of the huge amount of data that's available today, it probably is going to make it easier to uh, zero in on more effective medicines based on statistics and uh, past. Uh so for us to do that, well, we have to start. Right. Because there is no data today. It's all manual. Okay. Today, every single thing, especially in government hospitals, is entirely manual. Okay, the other thing is, in a vast majority of cases in one particular big hospital, we realize that they write what the patient is complaining about, and they write what medicines they prescribe. They don't put in their diagnosis. So even a lot of that is pretty damn useless for conversion of data. But you're right, we should be in an ideal place to develop, you know, matrix which at least says in 80% of the cases this looks like what it is, and here is a simple medicine. So we are ripe for telemedicine, and we should be aggressively going in that direction. But a lot of the private hospitals are generating huge amount of data already, right? In fact, yeah. there's a huge data bank, and they want to monetize it unfortunately True. sadly yes now here uh, one thing i'll come so that we can add to that so that the things become quite interesting uh, again uh, taking cue from your point when you say that the drugs that has been made by india uh, is there anybody to approve or will the government approve whereas it's been approved by fda it'll be approved very fast here i talk about when long back i studied one book by the name of bottle of lies and it is written by Catherine iban so uh, it talks about uh, the generic drugs that has been approved by USA, by FDA. And uh, when like the Catherine was an investigating journalist, and when she found that from where the drugs are coming, the majorly generic drugs are coming from China and India. When she came to India and see uh, how the drugs had been made and to China. So especially in China, the lot of nexus were there. And uh, she has written a lot of things about how the generics been used and the patients are actually complaining about the side effect. And doctors were least bothered. They said that it may be happening because, uh, with the original drug manufacturer. That means the, so, so those kind of things are also be seen. So when you talk about research and development and taking it to the general public, are we using them as rats? No, I, I think, I think, you know, we should not use sensationalist media reporters as data. I don't think that is data. You know, FDA is, and if you talk to the Indian pharma industry, 
and uh, indian pharma industry has got a lot of good honest well meaning people doing some serious work to make profits but they are doing good and i think dr ranji reddy from this city was the pioneer who made medicine affordable good quality medicine affordable in this country so i think it's unfair to brush all of them as if i think there is a lot of fake goods which are happening which i don't think come under fda anyway and whether you have fda whether you have indian drugs whether you have some somebody's producing fakes there is producing fakes and that's the end of it you can't do much about it but the indian pharma industry is today producing really high quality drugs simply because of the intense fda scrutiny and it's there is a pure financial if you read in the newspaper that fda raised something your share price drops by 3% or 4% so there is a strong financial incentive for them to not do i know that they are investing a lot of money in training because again the indian mindset is not to be that proper in documentation not worry i mean even i think this hall will not meet fda certification for safety i promise you that okay so i think you know there is a lot that is happening but the fundamental issue is today the western medicine is slowly coming and accepting that oh you know the way we were producing medicines was not wrong the way in which fda approves most of which is based on white anglo saxon male clientele and then gives those same medicines all across the world without any concern for the genetic diversity is the root cause don't blame the genetic for it the genetic is doing exactly what the original drug did so i i don't think one should blame the genetic genetic has actually helped the us industry because the cost of cost of healthcare in the us is under control simply because of uh, by the way israel is another big country mm. which produces it so how much of these generic uh, uh, drugs actually align with the branded ones so if it is genetic and if it's uh, say generic and it is approved it has to meet all those requirements right and it must show exactly the same treatment okay. so that's so there's a fair argument uh, in favor of the uh, progress that's actually being made towards more of generic drugs at more affordable prices it is because certainly we have got benefited right. as a country a lot and you know again see we talk in idealism the two funny and crazy things that this country did three one is it banned uh, ibm in 1977 net result is we were stuck with whatever it was which then gave rise to y2k and which gave rise to india's it india's it technology came because we banned ibm way back in 77 a completely wrong this thing but we did it we also banned coca cola and in the process created thumbs up which is still an active competitor to this thing and the third thing we did was we followed process patent and not product patent which really got our thing so there were many things did which the west always criticized us for and said it's not fair i think you know as countries go through certain criteria we develop a certain capability and i think we have used that capability very rightly and very widely you know the kind of drugs we had in 50s and 60s and the kind of drugs we have the kind of market share we have of the global drug industry the kind of wealth creation we are doing for the country is humongous and 
that's why I said, should we therefore have focused only on new drug discovery? Maybe not. We were commercially smarter. We took the low-hanging fruit. Well, bless us. Yeah. So I just want to add two points here uh, from a medical perspective. So I think the generic drugs are exactly similar to the, the main component, except they have three things. I think size, color, and shape of the drug can be different. But otherwise, the, in terms of efficacy and bioequivalence, which is how much medicine is released particular time, it is exactly the same. And getting an Indian context into the generic medicines, if you see in um, April 2017, all the doctors have been instructed by Medical Council of India that you need to write the name of the generic, not the brand name, okay? So of course, there are flaws in the implementation, but that's a good move. Second is, uh, a statistic says that uh, about 60 million households each year in India wow. are becoming um, kind of debt, debt bond because of high cost of healthcare, okay? So, and about 82% of Indian population is still not covered by any kind of health insurance. Of course, Aishman Bharat implementation is starting, but 82% of Indian households are not covered by insurance. So, generics has a tremendous impact because the cost is about 120th of the actual brand. So, generics are good and it's a misnomer. And of course, as Professor was mentioning, that the data by uh, investigative generalists can always not be correct. So, uh, generics are good. <laughs> That's my opinion. Uh, see, here in India, when you talk about generics, we are already uh, only promoting branded generics from the beginning because of the process patent that we are following. Now, there is a new uh, situation which has come in. Say, for example, a company like Cipla or Ranbaxi or any company like that, you know, to give you a clear perspective, there is a brand called Cifran which is ciprofloxacin, which is an antibiotic fluoroquinolone, which is uh, sold by Ranbaxy at 9 rupees 60 paise, which is a brand, which is a well-known brand, which is, uh, what do you say, the topmost brand in India under ciprofloxacin. The same Ranbaxy, due to its economies of scale, produce extra, probably, extra ciprofloxacin, which they are not able to sell you to somebody. They are selling the same ciprofloxacin under another brand name called ciproace, which is 6 rupees. So, both are from the same plant, same company, different price in the market. So that, you know, you can say that it is a kind of exploitation of the customer because the same standards are being uh, followed, but the different pricing has been given because there is a marketing cost to Cifran. Basically, they have to meet doctors, there are medical representatives and other people going and meeting. A lot of promotional materials have to be used. The problem that uh, now doctor has mentioned is that now the generic way of movement of writing prescriptions is going to cause a much serious issue in India because the Medical Council of India is insisting for doctors to write generics. Say for example, a doctor writes ciprofloxacin, then who are you giving that freedom to dispense the medicine? It is a pharmacist who is going to take the full control and now India has about 500 ciprofloxacin brands and what is the likelihood of me getting a quality ciprofloxacin? It, see, you cannot emulate the West for all the things, you know. In West, the pharmacy profession is considered to be a very serious profession where doctors get generic, the, there are only very few brands under that, uh, you know, or generics or branded generics, whatever you say, uh, under a particular drug. And the pharmacist has a liberty to choose among one or one, two or three. Here it is not the scenario. So now when the prescription goes to the pharmacy, pharmacist is going to give him, uh, give a drug which is giving him the maximum margin. 
So, uh, when uh, a rule is set in the West, you apply the same thing in India without looking at the industry perspective. Yes, drug prices have come down drastically when compared to other countries because of the process pattern that we follow. But at the same time, more uh, kind of uh, controls have to be put in place. Even uh, um, we know uh, the same uh, situation of runbacks which has happened, you know, uh, the USFD has uh, had uh, issues and uh, the company went into big problems. So, uh, stringent measures like probably aeronautical companies, you know, they have uh, proper regulations, they follow up on proper basis, strict actions are taken. Even a drug, for example, which goes to market, uh, there is no live monitoring happening. Yes, it is happening, but by the time the batch would have been sold. And it doesn't apply a ban on the entire drug, only on that batch. So how does, you know, the quality is ensured? So there are a lot of loopholes in the system, which we'll have to clear. Uh, like you asked for generics, if you want to improve, we have to have a very stringent uh, regulatory system in place. Right. I think you raised a very interesting point, because what happens is once the responsibility moves from doctors to the pharmacists, it's so much easier for them to say, uh, it's not our responsibility anymore, right? So that could be another implication of this uh, uh, initiative. Maybe one more question. Okay. Uh, maybe we'll have uh, time for one more question, and I would like to address this to uh, Ajit and Devanand. Um, we were talking about R&D as a uh, culture. It's a culture of innovation, and it operates only in an ecosystem. Uh, to what extent are startups uh, contributing to this uh, in the recent past because a lot of multinationals are actually setting up R&D centers in India. But I would think they are more for electronics and computer technology, maybe less for pharma and healthcare. So what is the contribution of startups to building this ecosystem? Uh, how far have we come in achieving what we want to achieve as an ecosystem in India? And what do you think should, should be done to... Uh, improve that. I know it's it's a it's a vast question, but probably you can okay. limit it to so one I'll, or two I'll, uh, most yeah, if important. I, if, I, if I limit it to health, and I'll let you talk about uh, material sciences. I'm a big, big fan of the startups. I think a number of things. At the same time, the institutions are also playing. So what has happened is the government has been throwing money at institutions to start incubators. And with that has come young people like him who say, hey, you know what, I may as well be one myself. We see a large number of PhDs now shifting across. By the way, you know, we talk about all this research and innovation. Please understand there are four completely different players in mindset. First is a researcher. A researcher looks at something because he or she is excited about solving that. Second is an innovator who actually looks at, I can apply this here. The third is an entrepreneur who then says, how can I make, maybe this is, can be applied, but can I make money out of it? And the fourth is then the institution builder who then takes that. Thing. The truth is there is not a single human being Maybe, uh, I think Dr. Anji Reddy was one of those rare exceptions, but there is otherwise impossible to find all those four qualities in one. So this is yet again a confusion that we expect a researcher to be an innovator and to be an entrepreneur, and that doesn't work really. They can work and collaborate. So that's why the ecosystem starts becoming important. How do we get these people to collaborate? 
on top of that what's happening is that data and data driven capabilities are coming into this whole thing so we are now seeing a large number of incubators we are seeing an enormous number of young people jumping into this the incubators are still not as properly staffed as they should be for example if i want to solve this problem i don't even check whether there is white space available i don't see whether there is freedom for me to operate or is somebody else got a patent already one large institution after two and a half years of research they asked us to connect them to an ophthalmological institution we took them to lv prasad and as soon as that ophthalmologist read it he was horrified he says you can't operate in this there are three patents in this and these people didn't have it so there are gaps so we are what we are focusing now is a first thing before you start please look for freedom to operate please look whether you have the right to do is there a process patent what is the kind of freedom etc so that's number one number two is that most of our research is readiness up to what i'd call as a lab i can produce it in 5 milliliters but unlike an it which i can scale up using a number of computers producing something especially a biological product in 5 milliliters and producing it in 1000 liter is a completely different ball game so that's yet another weakness in our this thing then the regulatory approval process is so long so difficult and so expensive so how do we find new business models for that you know Uh, we found one with bharat biotech which is a separate story and we'll talk about that so there are many challenges but if i were to focus on is the seed you know are the seeds been put and have they started sprouting a very strong yes a very very strong yes we still have a lot of problem i think on the ecosystem development in health we are at 2 to 3 out of 10 long way to go yeah. okay. same thing yeah, but practical examples are from it so incubations are good because they are creating a space for us but it's not a general for med tech to material material it is varies so computer as a scaling up right it is okay one computer two you have to multiple but in these areas the material and this another area the industrialization incubations are they have their own second thing if large Uh, institutes for example t hub in triplete so there is some constraint with us for example i have to procure on material i want to send into that incubation center i need to go through number of gate passes it may be very silly things but while timeline as i mentioned earlier so it is huge but we don't have that space sometimes another nearby company has different problem statement my problem statement is different so generalized rules may not work for uh, industries so that is one thing and second thing while developing though we are not expecting only space and lights and acs and all as a company company means we need a ecosystem coming under but very little a bit of technical side support also beyond that agreements we need that one it's not for example your engineering thing then equity come into the picture as a startup equity is another way of money for us for example as a senior expert required we don't we are unable to pay the money as it is but we are offering some equity but equity line changes the incubation wants to play into that for example the grant model also so dstn thing if they give grant 
they don't want to be that share holding pattern and all finance that's what the technology commercial as a researcher as an entrepreneur it is a different so technology developer researcher they have their own if i have one mg of particular material if it is quality and all class good then his job is over as an entrepreneur these are all the factors so you will also probably give 3 out of 10 yeah <laughs> so this one last point, you know which is in my view i don't know whether it's sad good bad but it's factual you mentioned about mnc setting up are a lot of really top mncs are actually active with uh, ecosystem players like us tihub etc to look for startups and to support them and perhaps take equity in them sadly the indian industry is by and large absent in that so the indian industry still thinks that eh, forget all the startup the mncs are extremely active and these are really top mncs so in a way it's good that the startups get better funding right. better quality of support etc but where are the where is the indian industry in this whole thing they're seeing that as a tool for a quicker uh, go to market and also in terms of cost of mnc cost era, of uh, 5 10 years ago mnc used to say if it's not done here it's not worth it right. now mncs are almost saying if it is done outside it's much better right uh, it's a great mindset change so any like a question from the audience there you please hello sir uh, especially uh, uh, i want to thank ajit sir sir i know you from tihub uh, where my friend used to uh, work at the nearest desk to you and uh, we have spoke about a research project uh, at made in hyderabad event uh, but after that i found the major uh, problem to scale this research based startups is that investment is a major problem because it won't give the uh, returns so easily and uh, so quickly like the every other startup could do Uh, and uh, it won't go into the market right from the next day we get the investment or right from the day we started so is there any solution that the government is planning to provide like uh, you know making uh, the uh, policies that the tihub is having yeah. widely available for the startups a yeah. kind of yeah so this is a challenge this is a problem and i think yeah. um we have been talking both tihub and we at rich have been talking for some time now that we should create so there is funding available till proof of concept and there is funding available at near commercialization the gap between the two so from technology readiness level of 3 4 up to 7 8 that's where there is a big gap we therefore said let us set up a fund to address just that gap i'll be very honest with you the governments both at the center and the state are actually willing but what they're saying is this is really not our job you know we'll give you the core of about 20% you get 80% from the industry tough 
that's the reality so the way i look at it is we have not been able to convince i actually have a dream you know now that you raised this thing i think we should all if somebody were to tell me that look give 5% of your net worth 5% that's all for 10 years and we will return that in real terms that means 4 to 5% and we create a vast pool which we use for so the real return i get i get my money back but the real return i get is that socially important uh, startups get a boost up and india becomes an economy i i have spoken to at least 3 potential funders they say please create this fund you know i'll support it again i think people think i'm mad which i am probably but we need we need a low cost fund Uh, to take and there are some real by the way there is all i also think there is a great business model for anybody who wants to get people who are good at taking from 3 to 7 create a small company of them and take what i call as the byrack graveyard the uh, uh, startups funded by byrack outstanding startups outstanding startups but they have died because of lack of ability to take buy them out cheap take them to 7 or 8 flog it i think there is money to be made i am too old to do it any more questions good afternoon sir my name is asif ahmed uh, as you, as we know that uh, air pollution is the major issue nowadays uh, government isn't taking any initiatives in in the field of research Uh, like uh, they are not utilizing the solar energy or renewable energy in the automobiles uh, to lessen this pollution and all so what is the role of the private sector that uh, what the private sector and automobile sector is doing in this field this is my question you know the government is actually taking us to bs6 now so it is a negli negligible uh, no, initiative it's not, that it's is. not negligible and look you know if you do it too fast what's happening in the industry it's the industry which is complaining right the two wheel the real take delhi pollution right if you ban two wheelers more than 10 years old you will show significant reduction right but these are political decisions they dare not because you can't call yourself aam aadmi and then you know hit the aam aadmi in the belly where it matters these are political you know we have to we think you know we right of governments saying governments don't do governments are not fool in fact i found governments have the most sensible people who really understand the realities on the ground it's we who don't so i think we have all unless the industry comes up to a level where the industry can supply good technology electric vehicles i think all of you in iit i challenge you to prove to me that an electric vehicle is less polluting in totality it is just that the pollution is shifted to where the electricity is produced rather than where it's consumed right we can so, use solar solar and, energy and, as oh, no no okay let's talk of solar how the hell are we going to dispose of all those solar panels we are just shifting the problem from today to day after tomorrow i don't think we have looked at a systemic solution to any of the problems you know we do knee jerk time and this thing i think by the way if all of you are told that please use bicycles how many of you are going to do it very few you know you will ultimately say we are too far from the city if i have to go to the city to eat i need this that that the other i'll order from swiggy who anyway uses a two wheeler 
So I think pollution, I think the government, by the way, there is a lot of research work happening in research institutions. There is, but you know, there is a balance, continuous balance between economic growth and some of these issues. And the government, in my opinion, wrongly, is focusing on development rather than green technologies today are available in pharma sector. By the way, this state government is encouraging pharma sector to move to the new pharma city and setting up uh, common effluent treatments, setting up material. Uh, so there are things happening. It's not that. I actually think the consumer is the worst culprit, followed by industry. And the government is the least of those culprits. Uh, just to add to uh, what you've just said, like solar or, you know, using those kind of panels to create, uh, you know, uh, an ecosystem where the pollution can be brought down. You know, healthcare now, uh, uh, but you know what the challenge that we face in terms of waste, it was considered to be the biomedical waste, which was the challenge which any healthcare organization which was, uh, you know, uh, which uh, you know, historically has been facing. Now, not only healthcare, any organization for that matter it is going to be the e-waste which is a big challenge, you know, the technology has helped us a lot in terms of gadgets, you know, computers, all these things, but then disposing that is become a big, big challenge. You know, there is no option. You have to just, you know, there are certain vendors, we hope that, okay, offloading to the vendors will, okay, you know, help me in disposing that, but then we don't know what they are doing with that. Some kind of recycling may be happening, but then we are going to face a bigger challenge with these kind of things. Solar panel, if you use the batteries, are there again there is going to be problem with all those things so we have to have some kind of system where uh, as he said you know via media has to be somewhere looked at so another question is uh, as we know uh, since a few decades the human lifespan is decreasing average average human lifespan is decreasing uh -huh. uh, 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 here sorry to intervene in front of eminent personalities <laughs> After maybe 10 to 12 years, as per uh, my knowledge, you'll have a choice to die. Yes. You have a choice to die. You can choose when you want to die. There we are going. So maybe some wrong. So, uh, yeah, wrong number. Hai. <laughs> it's a call. Na kare. <laughs> it's okay, sir. Thank you. No, uh, what he said is the absolute thing. You know, the next biggest challenge the country is going to face is to uh, you know, handle the geriatric population. So geriatrics is going to emerge as a new, you know, it has already started as a subject in many medical colleges. Geriatric care, the people who are above 60, 70, how to deal with them, their health issues. That is coming up as a new emerging, you know, uh, speciality altogether. India, it has gone higher actually. Our mortality rates, everywhere we have improved thanks to the public system. You know, that is something which our public has, public uh, system has been, can be really proud of. You know, infant mortality rate has come down. The maternal mortality rate has come down. Our aging has gone higher. So this is something which uh, the public, public has a vital role to play in that. So uh, it is going to be biggest challenge. You are saying the, uh, just the uh, reverse actually. We are surprised anyway. Yeah. Your, your my health, so poor you. <laughs> so after that uh, lifespan, any other question you had? Yeah, please. <laughs> because there we stuck you. 
actually i was asking like uh, uh, according to the studies and all uh, previously the pe people were having uh, the age of 100 100 150 and all now they uh, they're dying at the age of 60 70 and all so the lifespan is it has decreased according to me uh, as per uh, i have gone through articles please, please state your question the thing is that uh, the research that is going on in the pharmaceutical industries and all in in the medicine is it really affecting the lifespan or uh, that he answered very beautifully yeah. no just so, i'll tell you just an example there was a coca cola ad you would have seen probably you know it was it was kind of honest kind of commercial which they brought and said that we are responsible for the uh, you know the diabetes or the metabolic condition of the entire united states coca cola is responsible don't use our products this was the commercial even after that we are drinking coca cola so who is to be blamed you know it can't blame you can't blame the pharma companies for that we know that you know many things are bad for us in a packet of cigarette they have written you know it is injurious for our health we still smoke we still drink we still use all junk food we, and then we blame that you know cancer uh, is you know the incidence of cancer is high or many such things you know but then the basic issue is that you know uh, our lifestyles have changed we have changed our lifestyle which is not uh, which is not usually you know the pattern that our ancestors used to follow that's why now there was a book called most of you would have read ikigai which mentioned about you know the japanese way of living where uh, they, this particular place many people have more than 100 age 100 years of they they live more than 100 years so the only uh, secret was that the way of living was different they don't bother about anything you know they don't eat any bad things most of most of the time raw fruits vegetables and very lead a very happy life so that that gives you that we know uh, about all this but we don't follow that that is the only reason any more questions i, I think you have added already yes. okay. just that i think the quality of life is definitely affected but not the lifespan yes and uh, so good afternoon to all the panelists and the moderator uh, myself desai sne from triple it hyderabad so i have two questions first one is a general one so during discussion i came across two terms that is uh, Uh, process patent and product patent so i would like to know more about both both, both these terms and second question is uh, ajit sir uh, in the in your closing statement you said that indian in industry is a bit reluctant or that not showing much interest into investing into startups so uh, so as a startup community as a young entrepreneur what should we do so that we can catch the eyeballs of this uh, uh, indian industry Thank you. Okay, so the earlier patent regime in India was the process patent. So you could produce exactly the same product using a different process. That is what allowed India to come out with these generics. Now India has become a part of the global this thing. So we follow the same patent regime as everybody else. So there is no longer. You can even now, if you in in many of the other, for example, in many of you know, if you are using AI, ML, or anything. many times your actually is the unique way in which you use it and some of those things can still be patented um, you know in in uh, the way in which you produce graphene in, in a different ways you will you will be able to get anything that is a unique knowledge which you can show is not commonly thing you can get that um, <clears throat> you know fortunately there are individuals and uh, funds which are slowly getting into it i personally believe that it must be really very difficult 
to get funding. Because only the best of the best which genuinely deserve to get funding should get funding. Right now, except in life sciences and agriculture, there is no shortage of funding for the right product. Half the times it is our inability to convince the VC. In the digital space, there is undoubtedly no shortage of funding. But just think of the world, you know, if all of you start coming out with new and the, 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 then by definition you will die because two years later somebody else new will come and that new will get funding and will throw you out. Doesn't work that way, right? So very, very few will really get the kind of funding and those very, very few will be extremely good. We started the Thai ISP Connect in 2004. And I tell you, the quality of startups in 2004 was seriously pathetic. When I see the quality at Thai ISB Connect or at T-Hub or at IIIT, I think today we have startups which are comparable to the best in a lot of places. So there is an enormous improvement and that will keep. But unfortunately, therefore, the kind of startup that could get funding 10 years ago and the kind of startup that now gets funding is going to be very different. So it's going to be tougher for you. But if you're in the digital space, there is enough funding available. So don't worry about the pharma sector. By the way, some of them are also investing through their own family offices, which is a different. So they give money to somebody and that somebody invests. But as companies, they are not investing. Uh, since we are running short of time, we will make this the last question. Uh, Ms. Asha, would you like to summarize? Okay, you can you take one more question? Okay, we can take one more question. Good evening, sir. Sir, I have a question that why not the decentralization of industry, industrialization is not taking place in India? I mean, not in a very high percentage. Uh, can you state the question clearly again? Decentralization of industrialization is not happening in India. I think you need to uh, make the question clear. Do you no, I, I, <coughs> I understood. I, I think I understood what's happening. Uh, money follows money. Talent follows talent. Um, you know, space follows. So. Any decentralization has traditionally been a challenge. Why did Bangalore become such a big success and why has it taken Hyderabad another 15, 20 years to reach there? Isn't it? Uh, so I think people go where the industry is, people go. So that's what when we talk of ecosystems. We are not able to create global ecosystems. We are able to create at the most corridor. So there is a Bang Bangalore-Mysore-Chennai corridor. There is an NCR region corridor. We think that the greater Hyderabad will become, or maybe Hyderabad-Bangalore uh, will become, and Chennai will become another corridor. So by definition, and look at the IITs. The IITs which are in urban cities close to industries attract better students, end up doing better results, have better placements. That's the nature of the beast. You know, decentralization is a challenge 
and governments keep trying to do that. But at least the older models have not worked because economy of scale, economy of talent, etc., etc. As we get into 3D printing, as we get into rural, now we are beginning to see uh, rural e-commerce uh, vehicles. Kaladri, I think, is one, which only caters to third tier three and tier four towns and takes only local produce and produces. So people are slowly beginning to take. Once we get into local, so what's going to happen is instead of a pharma company producing 10 lakh uh, medicines in one plant in one place, each one will be able to do 3D printing of the kind of strength that, so you know, today all of us get 500 mg. Whether he's a lot younger and fitter, I'm a lot older and this thing, but we both get 500 mg. He perhaps needs 300, I need 600, but that doesn't the way it works. Tomorrow that will. As we get into personalized medicines, as we get into more detailed things, it, there will be a fair amount of decentralization. But I don't know when. Uh, just to end on a positive note, don't worry. The private sector has slowly started gearing up. You know, about five years back, the private sector investment, if you were considering it 25 percentage, it has reached now 42 percentage as per these latest statistics. So the private sector has really started involving. For a company like Astra, which is into healthcare, we also have started an innovation research hub in Bangalore. We are really looking at collaborating with, you know, startups, universities, and such, you know, uh, I was also discussing with the uh, professor about it. So a lot of such companies will come forward in days to come. We are also looking at artificial intelligence, you know, the way uh, healthcare has to be changed. Basically, now we are, even though we use the word healthcare, now we are doing sick care. It's not healthcare, actually. When you get sick only, you come to a hospital. So we are, we want to take from sick care to healthcare. So the home uh, care that uh, doctor mentioned, the artificial intelligence coming with more wearables, devices, uh, cognitive psychological things, internet of uh, medical things, lot of things are emerging, lot of opportunities are coming, so don't worry. Uh, I've seen lot of hands uh, being raised, you know, and feeling that now uh, is a bad time to uh, come out to the industry with, uh, you know, create creative ideas. This is the time, don't worry. There will be there, but you'll have to, as he sir said, like, you know, you have to just choose the right product and right industry. That's what I feel. Okay, so this will be the last question. Uh, I would uh, request Ms. Asha to summarize. The, the, the insights have been invaluable, I must say, and the interaction has been very impressive. Uh, I think uh, it tells me that you have all enjoyed the session as much as we all did. If there's one message that I can uh, zero in from this, I could be wrong because the number of insights that I, we got was immense. Uh, but there's one message that I think is uh, a takeaway, which is what we need is a global ecosystem of players. Although research is happening at a silo level in various areas, uh, to take R&D in India to the next level, we need a, a larger ecosystem of players who work together towards a shared vision. So uh, we need uh, the uh, interfacing of ecosystem players like the institutions, the researchers, the academic institutions, the investors, uh, the incubators, everybody to come together to work towards a common goal. Thank you so much to all of you for sparing your valuable time. Just add one more thing, sorry. Please. 
uh, see just one more point she uh, has said everything in a very uh, but as a country india are we celebrating this people the researchers the academicians the people who have coming out with such things you know we are just celebrating movie stars and sport personality with due respect to them but we don't know the 10 researchers you ask them the top 10 researchers who have featured among the 6500 uh, top cited researchers you can't name even one person so let us also celebrate such people sure yeah. especially if uh, india has to become a 5 trillion economy by 2024 i think that's the key yes. thank you very much i thank all the panelists and the moderators uh, and uh, now i would uh, request miss uh, the moderators to present the mementos to our panelists uh, maruti please assist can we have a round of applause please uh, mr ajit rangnekar uh, could you please dr venkat ramana gedela and mr shrinivas oh, i'm sorry it was a wrong order okay. <laughs> and uh, mr oh i'm sorry okay. <laughs> uh